Hello and welcome to Good News That Actually Is, where three to five sets you free to thrive. Three to five minute encouragements to help your joy by empowering your soul. I am your host, Tim Ashley. I want to talk to you this morning about walking according to the Spirit, because I believe the Holy Spirit wants to give you a master key to equip you in your walk with Christ. It's, the, it's like living in a large house with many rooms and having one key to unlock every room in the house. What I'm going to share with you today is going to be along that line. Now, if you don't know how broadly the key is meant to be used, you don't understand how a master key works, then you'll live as though the rooms in the house are off limits to you. All the key could do was open the entry door and let you in. But it, but it can't get you into the rooms that are labeled provision, healing, victory, breakthrough, courage, boldness, strength, endurance. You hearing what I'm saying? If you don't understand what I'm going to share with you today, you're going to think that the key you've been given can only get you into the house, but not unlock these doors that the Holy Spirit have in that house for you to partake of. If you will, open your Bibles to Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 1. We're just going to go through a few verses of Romans this morning and unpack them and just see what this master key is. Sometimes you can think that a key is not appropriate to your situation. If you think like that, you'll miss out on your opportunity for true breakthrough in the Spirit. Romans 8 verse 1. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Stop right there. You know, some read this passage and unfortunately uh, experience the opposite of what it is promising. They think that this passage is talking about performance as opposed to what it's really saying. This kind of thinking imagines that walking in the flesh is immoral behavior, violating the law, that walking according to the flesh is only about moral misconduct. That's how they approach this this verse. Man, if I'm engaged in moral misconduct, I can't walk according to the Spirit, therefore I'm under condemnation. Well, it's true. If you're going to live a life of sin, you're going to be condemned in your own soul by your own conviction, since you know the truth. You're going to feel like, well, this is out of step with God. What's wrong with me? You're going to go through that. That's a given. But believe it or not, that's not what this passage is referring to. What is walking in the flesh really about in this passage that we're reading? Could it be possible that this is speaking of something entirely different from the idea of moral misconduct. Now, when the Bible wants to talk about an evil heart, grasp this, 
It doesn't say evil heart of adultery. It doesn't say evil heart of fornication. It doesn't say evil heart of lust and greed. It doesn't say evil heart of murder, malice. It doesn't say that, evil heart of hatred. When the, when the Bible speaks of an evil heart, it says an evil heart of unbelief. The thing that makes an evil heart is the condition of unbelief. Now, it's not that being morally good is a bad thing, because it's not, right? Being morally good can be beneficial to both you and to people around you. If you're, if you're minding your P's and Q's, you're not taking advantage of your neighbor. Praise God. We, we'll take that, right? But our, moral, or our motive for moral goodness is what is most important when it comes to considering what it means to be without condemnation by not walking according to the flesh and instead walking according to the Spirit. We have so mystified what it means to walk according to the Spirit, many Christians are stumbling over this. You see, if the idea of no more condemnation has to do with you getting your moral act together, you're going to miss out on experiencing this beautiful promise. Because none of us are perfect, right? Your preoccupation with your own performance will hinder your ability to perceive what the Holy Spirit is speaking, how he is leading, and what he's trying to teach you. You'll not be using the master key that unlocks everything available to you in the kingdom. I want to share with you what that master key is today. See, when it comes to making disciples for Christ, it's important to help them first realize the promise of walking according to the Spirit so that they can be free of condemnation and be continually able and ready to hear and follow. See, you know you're walking according to the Spirit when you can't be condemned. That's when you're really walking according to the Spirit. When you can't condemn yourself, when the enemy can't condemn you, when the critics can't condemn you, you're walking according to the Spirit. Faith in Christ is the master key that unlocks everything. Everything. Faith in Christ. This is the key to overcoming. So what is the walk according to the flesh we're warned against? Well, look at verses 2 through 5. And let's unpack this a little. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh... God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. For those who live according to the flesh set their mind on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit the things of the Spirit. This mind of the flesh is all about what I think I can do. 
and should do. It is not about what the Spirit can do through me. It is not what the Spirit has done to me. And it is not what Christ means for me. It's me. There are what I call Christian narcissists. Christian narcissism is rampant. Christian narcissism is simply, what must I do? What must I do? It is not what has Christ done and how has that affected my life. It is not thinking from the realm of transformation and translation. You have been translated out of the kingdom of darkness and into the kingdom of light. See, flesh thinking is about my, what have I not done that I should have done? What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing? Me, 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 me. That, that ought to be, sound like a reverse backup beeper. You're about to get run over, my friend, by a big truck. If you stay, if you stay in that vein of thinking, you're about to be backed right over by the garbage truck of condemnation. And man, is it full of stinky stuff. And it's going to dump it all over you. When we look at the verses that followed verse 1 in Romans 8, we discover the gospel is being preached to us. The gospel is God's way of handing you the master key. There's been a great exchange, everyone. Jesus translated you out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his marvelous light. He gave you life by the law of the spirit of life in himself and rescued you from the law of sin and death. He legally purchased you so that you're no longer the property of another. And that means that you are set free to live according to the spirit. You've been set free from having to trust in your own ability. Now, how do you know if you're trusting in your ability? You probably have a list. Today, I must, I must, I must, 10 things I must do on Monday. 10 things I must do on Tuesday. 10 things I must do on Wednesday. 10 things, you got a list. When you write down a list, you write down a list based on what you think you can perform. What you ought to do is wad it up. Don't just throw it in the trash. Wad it up, put it in a bowl, set it on fire, and be done with it. Be done with a list. Now, somebody would argue, well, highly effective people have motivational lists. But they're not looking to be right with God. And they're not looking to walk according to the Spirit. They're just looking to be successful in the culture of this world. Now, you can, by your own strength, be successful in the culture of this world. Amen. You can be a driven person who keeps a list, abides by it very carefully, disciplines yourself to go after it, goes to the gym, lifts weights, runs three miles a day. You eat heart-healthy foods. You keep your brain strong, deep breathing exercises, da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. You're ready to conquer the world. You've been to multiple leadership classes. You're now a coach of other people. 
you're ready to go. That's great in the world, but that's not how it works in the kingdom. See, because of the law, sin condemned you to death. Because in your flesh dwells no good thing, and you could not perfectly keep the law. Your willpower, your fleshly strength lack the ability to attain righteousness according to the law. That's why it says in Romans 8, up there in verse uh, 3, for what the law could not do and that it was weak. Why? Through the flesh. The law is perfect. The law of God is perfect. That's the problem. We're not. In our flesh, we're not. And so when you have perfection, meet imperfection, and the imperfection doesn't have the strength to attain this level of perfection, you got a problem. How are you going to solve it? Well, you're not going to solve it by more willpower. You're not going to solve it by more exercise. You're not going to solve it by greater discipline. You're going to solve it by finding someone who can meet the level of perfection and impute their obedience to you on your behalf so that you are accredited of having reached that perfection although in your flesh you can't attain it. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. The flesh is weak. You need to get convinced that the flesh is weak. Because the flesh is weak, the law could not make you what it demanded of you. The law could not make you just by telling you what you ought to be, it couldn't make you what you ought to be. But Christ came in the flesh and he condemned sin. See, sin condemned you. Christ came and condemned sin in the flesh. Sin seeks to condemn you where? In the flesh. Where did Jesus condemn sin? In the flesh. What I'm telling you is a gold mine if you can get it. So when we see this passage speaking of walking according to the flesh, we begin to see how it's referring to trusting in our own ability to do right in order to be right with God. That's the flesh. The Tower of Babel was the flesh. We will build a tower and ascend to heaven. How? By our own strength and unity. Just me by myself, I can't build this tower. I need all of you others. Together we can do this. This is the cry of the global movement of our hour. It's Babel all over again. 
Is it any wonder that the global initiative has been stricken by a pandemic that has interrupted the scheme? Some people think it fits into the scheme. I'm telling you, it's interrupted it. Because you've got nations closed off to other nations right now. And people are hiding. They're finally having to focus in on where they're doing life presently. You're having to focus. you got your own neighborhood. you got your own family. Whoa. you got your own work, co-workers. Hey, hey, hey. you got a church local in a community you're a part of. Wow, imagine that. God would actually take what's going on in the world today and put a, a, a spotlight on the things that matter most. <laughs> imagine that. Did God send a pandemic? No. Because God does not author sickness. Sickness is the result of sin. So God didn't send the pandemic, but in the midst of the pandemic, God... Through the work of the Holy Spirit, for those who will have the master key operating in their lives, thinking clearly according to the gospel, can see how the hand of God wants to operate in the midst of all that's going on. You can know how to navigate the troubled waters of your life if you get this down. The flesh is having our confidence set in what we do as opposed to what Christ has done already. Self-reliant, right standing with God is an offense to God because it disrespects the work of his only begotten son, Jesus, at the cross and in the resurrection and ascension. See, the key to unlock every room is not our ability. It's Christ's obedience. The key to unlock your healing is not your obedience, it's Christ's obedience. The key to unlock your provision is not your obedience. It's Christ's obedience. The key to unlock courage and boldness in the Spirit is not rooted in your obedience. It's in Christ's obedience. Why is the Spirit so available to you? Because of Christ. Hey, the disciples had ran and hid. One had even denied three times. If they were only able to get the Holy Spirit on the basis of those, their obedience, they'd already blown it. We're in trouble. They're not going to have what they need to go out to the world and preach the good news of the kingdom of God. Righteousness and repentance and life in Christ Jesus is going to call just dead fall to the dirt. If, if it relies on those guys' obedience and their strength of the flesh, there's no hope for the church future. But if it relies on Christ's obedience and his promise to them that they would receive the promise from the Father, all he wanted them to do was wait. He didn't say, hey, get your discipline on. I want you to go into a fasting period, boys. Show me just how serious you are. Because I'm not really convinced yet you want what I want to give you. That's not in the Scripture. You won't find it in the Scripture because it's not part of the gospel narrative. What is in the Scripture is, hey, guys, just wait. Just wait for the promise to come on you, and then you will be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, 
and the uttermost parts of the world. Wait for what? The promise? Then you will be. How do we get to promise? You just wait. It's a promise. You just wait. Do we need to be like, you know, the disciples of the rabbis? No. Just wait. Just tarry. I got some things I got to take care of first. As soon as I'm done with that, up there in heaven, Holy Spirit's going to come. You're going to get the promise. You'll be my witnesses. Don't, you, don't fret, boys. Just take it easy. Trust my words. Wait. You'll get what you're supposed to get. So what did they do? They cast lots. We got to fill Judas' spot. As human beings, waiting is one of the hardest things we do in life. Patience is the greatest challenge we face. Resting in him is our great challenge. It's a great challenge to us. Well, surely, while I'm awaiting, he wants me to do something. Maybe not. See, self-reliance, standing with God's an offense, saints. The key to unlock every room is not your ability, it's Christ's obedience. And this is why Paul testified that he had no confidence in his flesh and stated that in his flesh dwells no good thing. Now, you may look in the mirror every morning and say, mm, you good-looking thing, you. Man, man alive. Holy moly, who could resist you? Good luck with that one. And it's true that the people who are perceived to be beautiful and the world cultural can advance quicker than others who are not at quite as fortunate in that category, right? So, but that's the world. We're not of the world. We're of the kingdom, right? See, the enemy would love to trap you in a vicious cycle of trusting in the flesh to adhere to the law which will only lead to failure and disappointment in your life. See, even the call to faith can trap some of us if we've not gotten the master key right. I'm expected to believe, and it didn't happen, and I was believing, da 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 My faith must be weak and beggarly. My faith must be, and we start what? Condemning ourselves. I got the sniffles. My oh man, I must be pitiful. I must be. Oh, I'm. I just what? Stop it! Just stop it! Don't let your thinking. Don't let your soul go there. Instead, just say, Lord, I know Your Word promises healing. I'm just going to keep saying it. I'm going to keep standing on it. I'm just going to keep. I feel like crud but Lord I'm going to I'm going to contend for the promise that is mine it's going to look pitiful when I say that I'm healed I'm going to look like a stupid person but I'm just going to do this Lord out of obedience to what I found to be true in your word that's just where I'm going give me your mercy give me your mercy Lord 
I do believe, help, help any unbelief I may have, but here I am. I, I, I have nothing in my flesh to offer you. All I have is to say that I believe your words are true. I believe your word to be true. He's not asking you to come in like a Marvel comic hero flying or swinging in and taking your power pose. Sickness, be gone. And if you can't do that and the sickness leave right then, then you're nothing. See, that's, that's what our imaginations dream of. Lose that. Really, lose that. Having done all the stand, stand. It's just that simple. Having done all the stand, stand. It doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to look dramatic. It doesn't have to have flair. It doesn't have to have polish. It doesn't have to have all of that. It doesn't need it. You don't need drama. You don't need flair. You don't need polish. You just need to use your master key and unlock that door called endurance. Well, if I was really a person of great faith, my miracle would have already happened, would it? We have examples in Scripture where it came at 11, 29, 29, when it looked like there was no way anything could happen because it hasn't happened up to this point. This is it, man. This is, I'm buying my ticket to the hereafter. It's on me right now. Oh, my God. Where's God? I guess he wants me to die. And boom, the miracle comes. Daniel's praying. He's been reading Jeremiah's prophecy. Seventy years. Concludes we've come to that point in human history. I'm going to pray into this. I'm going to pray into this. Every, every day he's facing the east, looking toward Jerusalem, praying into the prophecy of Jeremiah about the return of Israel from the captivity. And nothing is happening. He knows he's got the timeline right. He's convinced of it. It's been 70 years. It's time. This has to work. He's fasting. He's praying every day, laboring in intercession, praying according to the will of God. As far as he's concerned, He's in lockstep with the will of God. And after many days, finally, Gabriel shows up. Oh, Daniel, man of faith. What was the evidence of Daniel's faith? He didn't give up. He didn't say, it didn't happen on Monday. Forget about it. He kept praying. Gabriel said, I would have been here sooner. The first time you prayed, I was dispatched to come to you. But I had to fight the Prince of Persia to get to you. 
I've been, in locked, I've been locked up in battle coming to you. I'd have been here sooner. But there's some things going on in the heavenlies. There are, there are principalities and powers that wish to resist what God is up to. And they are allowed to fight. The war is supposed to happen. And you have situations going on in your life right now. Can I tell you something? If you'll get the master key working, you can unlock the door of endurance. And you can be patient. And you can fight. You can stand having done everything to stand, stand. You can do it. And the victory, it's already yours. Like we sang the song, I'm fighting my battle from the place of victory. But you are fighting the battle. Are, are you with me? You are fighting the battle. And when you're fighting the battle, it feels like, whoa, what's going on here? I thought I was supposed to win. Right? When you trust in your flesh, you're only going to get disappointment from your failure. See, it sets the table for the enemy to serve up a large dish of condemnation to you. But see, there, there is no condemnation for them who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. You'll never be walking more purely in the Spirit than you are when you're trusting in the completed work of Christ to be right with God. See, this is the key that unlocks all the promises of God. It's why all the promises of God are yes and amen in Christ Jesus. Because they're based on His obedience now, not yours. See, verse 6 sums up the danger of thinking we must do something to shore this up and guarantee our ability to receive good things from the Father. Look at verses 6 through 8. <clears throat> For to be carnally minded, that is to say fleshly minded, to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. Because a carnal mind is enmity against God, because it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. The flesh is not of faith. When you resort to your flesh, you're no longer of faith. You are now of the flesh. If you let your confidence come upon your flesh, you're no longer in faith towards Christ, towards God, trusting the Holy Spirit. You are now trusting in yourself. You cannot please God from that place. It cannot be done. When all you see is your own performance, then you're not walking according to faith. And we know it is by faith that we please God. Faith in the evidence of things unseen. When you look at your flesh, you're going to see a lot of not seen righteousness unfolding. When you value, evaluate your thought life, you're going to see a lot of non-righteous nonsense that can unfold in the, the compartment of your soul. 
And if you say that that is greater than the unseen evidence of the righteousness of God that is freely yours in Christ Jesus, you're on the path to, to uh, you're going to open a treasure chest, but it's not what you think it is. It's condemnation. It's filth. It's garbage. You may not see yourself as being righteous when you examine yourself after the flesh. But what you must understand is what Scripture says is true of you once you come to Christ in faith, having believed the gospel and received life from him. See, this is what it means to be born again. It is to be made alive in Christ by grace through faith. It's a gift that you can't earn. You can only receive it in faith. You can't earn this. You must believe that Jesus forgives and removes your sin just as he promised and that he makes you perfectly right with the Father so you can be a son and not only a son, an heir of God. An heir. What do heirs get? All the inheritance that was written up for them to have is theirs. Now we could go into Hebrews and we could really get into this whole Testament thing. All about it. And see that it's necessary for somebody to die for the will to go into force legally speaking. Jesus died so that the will of God could go into force, legally speaking, for you and I. What will? That we would benefit from his life in us, in this life, and in the life to come. What I'm saying to you is so key, it's so important. If you get this, you'll start unlocking all kinds of doors in your life and realizing, I could have been experiencing this a long time ago, but that's neither here nor there. I'm just glad to be getting into it now because it's working for me now. And when it's God's work, man, it doesn't matter how many years have gone by. God, man, he expedites. Once the work of God starts unfolding, it's expedited. See, Jesus set it up this way so that everything points to Jesus and not to us. It's his anointing, not mine. It's his righteousness made mine by grace through faith. I do not earn anything good from God. I simply receive based on the merits of Christ. So when you're having trouble receiving, ask yourself, does Jesus not... I mean, did he not do everything to deserve this? See, if you're struggling to receive, ask yourself, where's your confidence at? Is it in what your performance was or was it in the performance of Jesus? So you need a miracle. What are you believing for in that miracle and what is, what is your premise? I mean... Are, are, are you believing that the miracle can come to you because of Jesus' obedience? 
or you're trying to figure out what you must do to align yourself to convince God that you're worthy of getting this miracle. What did the 5,000 do to deserve the, the feeding? They weren't on their faces worshiping Jesus. They weren't hungry because they were on a declared fast. They were hungry because they were far from home and didn't bring any food with them. They didn't get the miracle because they were pleading and praying and asking, Oh, God, feed us, feed us, feed us, feed us. It wasn't happening. They were just there. And the disciples, being sensitive as they were, said, why don't you send these folks home? They have no food to sustain them. You know? Jesus says, well, why don't you feed them? Feed them what? We don't have enough money to buy this much food. They're thinking naturally. Naturally. And Jesus says, what do you have? He's not asking them, what can you get? He's saying, what do you have? Well, we got this boy over here. He's got a couple, couple of loaves and a few fish. It is enough. What? Because, see, if they could have gone out to the marketplace and purchased, they would have felt like they did the miracle. See, God likes to get us into a place where all we have to look at is Jesus. That's all we got left. And unfortunately for some of us, it has to happen quite often because we haven't gotten a lesson yet. We haven't gotten the master key yet. When you haven't gotten the master key yet, you've got to go through these lessons to learn, I need to be looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. Well, as the author, the starter of your faith who got you in, gave you the key to start with, he's also the finisher of your faith. What does that mean? Finisher, in this sense, is, is bringing you to a completed state where you've grown, you've progressed, you've, you've matured, you've increased. You didn't increase in the strength of your flesh. You increased in your spirit, the believer place of your life. Spiritual maturity is not how disciplined you are in your flesh. Spiritual maturity is how disciplined you have become in your believer. Now that will manifest in your behavior. But some people are trying to fix their behavior without addressing their believer. I don't earn anything from God. I simply receive based on the merits of Christ. This is why there is now no condemnation. I'm not trying to fix anything, earn anything, or justify myself in any way based on my own efforts. I'm simply standing on the obedience of Christ on my behalf. 
I'm walking in the Spirit when I'm trusting in Christ alone, by grace alone, through faith alone. And this is the key that unlocks all the doors in the kingdom. And it unlocks this glorious promise. If you'll look with me, we'll finish with this verse. Romans 8, 11. Look at how glorious this promise is. Romans 8, 11, Still in the same chapter. And this is also, by the way, the chapter that goes on to say, hey, uh, can, can anything separate us from the love of God? See, it just keeps getting better as you keep going into the chapter. Right? But Romans 8 11 says, if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, right? He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Where is he going to give life? Just in your spirit? No. He's going to impart life into your flesh, your mortal body. Resurrection life. Resurrection life is in your mortal body. Think about that. Saints, this is good stuff. You are now alive because he is alive and he lives in you. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. The church would be filled with so much more rejoicing on a continual basis. So much more thanksgiving. So much more praise. So much more adoration and appreciation if they were operating in the master key. Revelation. The gospel. This is why the gospel now, the gospel tomorrow, the gospel always. Always the gospel. Thanks for tuning in today. Never forget that you are loved by a faithful God whose obedient son, Jesus Christ, willingly died on a cross so that you can live today and always from the abundance of his life in you. Please subscribe and share this with others so that they too can experience the three to five that sets you free to thrive. And be sure to tune in next time to Good News that actually is. Please visit us at our website, goodnewsthatactuallyis.com. There you'll find transcripts of the program, video files, and other opportunities. We look forward to visiting with you there and ask you to subscribe. Have a great day.